A critical Samba bug, yet another crypto theft, and happy sysadmin day. All that and more on the Naked Security Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am Doug Ameth. With me, as always, is Paul Ducklin. Paul, how do you do today? Excellent. Thank you, Douglas. We like to start the show with some tech history. And this week, Paul, we're going way back to 1858. And this week in 1858, the first transatlantic telegraph cable was completed. It was spearheaded by American merchant Cyrus Westfield. And the cable ran from Trinity Bay, Newfoundland to Valencia, Ireland, some 2,000 miles across and more than two miles deep. And this would be the fifth attempt, and unfortunately the cable only worked for about a month, but it did function long enough for then-President James Buchanan and Queen Victoria to exchange pleasantries. Yes, I believe that it was, how can I put it, faint. (laughs) (laughs) 1858. What hath God wrought, Doug? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of things that have been wrought... There is a critical Samba bug that has since been patched, but uh, I'm not uh, an expert by any means, but this uh, bug would let anyone become a domain admin. That sounds bad. Well, it sounds bad, Doug, mainly for the reason that it is rather bad. There you go. (laughs) Samba, just to be clear before we start, uh, let's go through the versions you want. Uh, If you're on the 4.16 flavor, you need 4.16.4 or later. If you're on 4.15, you need 4.15.9 or later. And if you're on 4.14, you need 4.14.14 or later. Those bug fixes in total fixed six different bugs that were considered serious enough to get CVE numbers, so official designators. And the one that stood out is CVE-2022-32744. And the title of the bug kind of says it all. Samba Active Directory users can forge password change requests for any user. (laughs) Yep, that sounds bad. So, as the full bug report in the security advisory, the changelog says, in rather orotend fashion, a user could change the password of the administrator account and gain total control over the domain. Full loss of confidentiality and integrity would be possible as well as of availability by denying users access to their accounts. And as our listeners probably know, the so-called holy trinity air quotes in computer security is availability, confidentiality, and integrity. You're supposed to have them all, not just one of them. So integrity means nobody else can get in a mess with your stuff without you noticing. Availability says you can always get at your stuff. They can't prevent you getting at it when you want to. And confidentiality means they can't look at it unless they're supposed to be permitted. Any one of those or any two of those isn't much use on its own. So this really was a trifecta, Doug. (laughs) And annoyingly, it's in the very part of Samba that you might use, not just if you're trying to connect a Unix computer to a Windows domain, But if you're trying to set up an Active Directory domain for Windows computers to use on a bunch of Linux or Unix computers. 
That's ticking all the boxes in all the wrong ways, but there is a patch out. We always say patch early, patch often. Is there some sort of workaround that people can use if they can't patch right away for some reason, or is this a just do it type of thing? Well, my understanding is that this bug is in the password authentication service called KPassword. Essentially, what that service does is it looks for a password change request and verifies that it's signed or authorised by some kind of trusted party. And unfortunately, in a certain series of error conditions, that trusted party could include yourself. So it's kind of like a a print-your-own-passport bug, if you like. You, You have to produce a passport. It can be a real one that was issued by your own government, or it can be one that you knocked up at home on your inkjet printer, and both of them would pass muster. The trick is if you don't actually rely on this password authentication service in your use of Samba, you can prevent that K-password service from running. But of course, if you're actually relying on this whole Samba system to provide your Active Directory authentication and your password changes, the workaround would break your own system. So the best defense, of course, is indeed the patch. That removes the bug rather than simply avoiding it. Very good. You can read more about that on the site, nakedsecurity.cephos.com. And we move right along to the most wonderful time of the year. We just celebrated Sysadmin Day, Paul. And I won't telegraph the punchline here, but uh, you had quite a write-up. Well, <laughs> once a year, it's not too much to ask that we should go round to the IT department and smile at everybody who has put in all this hidden background work to keep our computers and our servers and our cloud services and our laptops and our phones and our network switches and our DSL connections and our (laughs) Wi-Fi kit in good working order, available, confidential, full of integrity all year round. Mm -hmm. If you didn't do it on the last Friday of July, which is... Sys Admin Appreciation Day, then why not go and do it today? And even if you did do it, there's nothing that says you can't appreciate your Sys Admins every day of the year. You don't have to do it only in July, Doug. Good point. So here is what to do, Doug. I'm going to call this a poem or verse. I think technically it's doggerel, but <laughs> I, I'm going to pretend. That it has all the joy and warmth of a Shakespearean sonnet. It isn't a sonnet, but it'll have to do. Perfect. Here you go, Doug. If your mouse is out of batteries or your webcam light won't glow, if you can't recall your password or your email just won't show, if you've lost your USB drive or your meeting will not start, if you can't produce a histogram or draw a nice round chart, if you hit delete by accident or formatted your disk, if you meant to make a backup but instead just took a risk, If you know the culprit's obvious and the blame points back to you, don't give up hope and be downcast. There's one thing left to do. Take chocolates, wine, some cheer, a smile, and mean it when you say, I've just popped in to wish you all a great sysadmin day. Oh, really good. One of your best. So much of what sysadmins do is invisible. And so much of it is surprisingly difficult to do well and reliably and to do without fixing one thing and breaking another. That a smile is the least they deserve, Doug. So The very least. 
to all sysadmins all over the world. I hope you enjoyed last Friday. And if you didn't get enough smiles, then take one now. Happy sysadmin day, everybody. Read that poem, which is great, on the site. All right, moving on to something not so great, a memory mismanagement bug in GNU TLS. Yes, I thought this was worth writing up on Naked Security because when people think of open source cryptography, they tend to think of OpenSSL because A, that's the one that everybody's heard of and B, it's the one that's probably had the most publicity in recent years over bugs because of Heartbleed. Even if you weren't there at the time, that was eight years ago, you've probably heard of Heartbleed which was a sort of data leakage and memory leakage bug in OpenSSL. It had been in the code for ages and nobody noticed. And then somebody did notice and they gave it the fancy name and they gave the bug a logo and they gave the bug a website. <laughs> and They made this massive PR thing out of it. That's how you know it's real. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, OK, they were doing it because they wanted to draw attention to the fact that they discovered it and they were very proud of that fact. And the flip side was that people went out and fixed this bug that they might otherwise not have done because, well, it's just a bug. It doesn't seem terribly dramatic. It's not remote code execution. They can't just steam in and instantly take over all of my websites, etc., etc. But it did make OpenSSL into a household name, not necessarily for all the right reasons. However, there are many open source cryptographic libraries out there, not just OpenSSL. And at least two of them are surprisingly widely used, even if you've never heard of them. There's NSS, short for Network Security Service, which is Mozilla's own cryptographic library. You can download and use that independently of any specific Mozilla projects, but you will find that notably in Firefox and Thunderbird, doing all the encryption in there. Don't use OpenSSL. And there's GNU TLS which is a open source library under the GNU project, which essentially, if you like, is a competitor or an alternative to OpenSSL. And that is used, even if you don't realize it, by a surprising number of open source projects and products, including code, whatever platform you're on, that you've probably got on your system. So that mm. includes anything to do with, say, FFmpeg, or MNCoder, or GNU-PG, the GNU key management tool, QEMU, our desktop, Samba, mm -hmm. <laughs> which we just spoke about in the previous bug, WGET, which a lot of people use for, for web downloading, Wireshark, the network sniffing tool, Zlib. Yeah. There are loads and loads of tools out there that need a cryptographic library and have decided either to use GNU-TLS instead of OpenSSL, or perhaps even as well as depending on supply chain issues of which sub-packages they've pulled in. You may have a project where some parts of it use GNU-TLS for their cryptography and some parts of it use OpenSSL, and it's hard to choose one over the other, so you end up, for better or for worse, with both of them. And unfortunately, GNU-TLS, the version you want is 3.7.7 or later, had a type of bug which is known as a double-free believe it or not, in the very part of the code that does TLS certificate validation. So the sort of irony we've seen in cryptographic libraries before, that code that uses TLS for, for encrypted transmissions, but doesn't bother verifying the other end. In other words, go, ah, certificate validation, who needs it? 
generally regarded as an extremely bad idea, rather shabby <laughs> from a security point of view. Any code that does that won't be vulnerable to this bug because it doesn't call the buggy code. So sadly, code that's trying to do the right thing could be tricked by a rogue certificate. And just to explain simply, a double free is a kind of bug where you ask the operating system or the system, hey, give me some memory. I need some memory temporarily. In this case, I've got all this certificate data. I want to store it temporarily, validate it, and then when I'm done, I'll hand the memory back so it can be used by another part of the program. If you're a C programmer, you'll be familiar with the functions malloc, short for memory allocate, and free, which is hand it back. And we know that there's a type of bug called use after free, which is where you hand the data back but then carry on using that memory block anyway, forgetting that you gave it up. But a double free is a little different. It's where you, you hand the memory back and you dutifully avoid using it again. But then at a later stage, you go, hang on, I'm sure I didn't hand that memory back yet. I better hand it back just in case. And so you tell the operating system, okay, free this memory up again. So it looks as though it's a legitimate request to free up the data that some other part of the program might actually be relying upon. And as you can imagine, bad things can happen because that means you may get two parts of the program that are unknowingly relying on the same chunk of memory at the same time. The good news is I don't believe that a working exploit was found for this bug. And therefore, if you patch, you'll get ahead of the crooks rather than simply be catching up with them. But of course, the bad news is when bug fixes like this do come out, there's usually a slew of people who go looking at them, trying to analyse what went wrong in the hope of rapidly understanding what they can do to exploit the bug for all those people who have been slow to patch. In other words, don't delay, do it today. All right. The latest version of GNU TLS is 3.7.7. Please update. You can read more about that on the site. Oh, and Doug, the, apparently the, the bug was introduced in GNU TLS 3.6.0. Okay. So in theory, if you've got an earlier version than that, you're not vulnerable to this bug. Huh. But please don't use that as an excuse to go, ah, I don't need to update yet. <laughs> I'll use you might as well jump forward over all the other updates that mm -hmm. have come out for all the other security issues between 3.6.0 and 3.7.6. So the fact that you don't fall into the category of this bug, don't use that as an excuse for doing nothing. Use it as the impetus to get yourself to the present day. That's my advice. Okay. And our final story of the week, we're talking about another crypto heist. This time, only $200 million, though, Paul. This is a chump change compared to some of the other ones we've talked about. I almost don't want to say this, Doug, but one of the reasons I wrote this up is that I looked at it and I found myself thinking, oh, only $200 million. That's quite a small time. What am I thinking? <laughs> 200 million, basically, well, not down the toilet, out of the bank vault. Now, this service Nomad, from a company that goes by the name of Illusory Systems Incorporated, and I think hmm. you'll agree that certainly from a security point of view, mm -hmm. the word illusory is perhaps the right kind of metaphor. Hmm. Um, it, it's a service that essentially allows you to do what's in the jargon known as bridging. You're basically actively trading one cryptocurrency for another. So you put some cryptocurrency of your own into some giant bucket along with loads of other people. And then we can do all these fancy 
decentralized finance, automated smart contracts. We can trade Bitcoin for Ether or Ether for Monero or whatever. Unfortunately, during a recent code update, it seems that they fell into the same sort of hole that perhaps the Samba guys did with the bug we talked about in Samba. There's basically a print your own passport or an authorize your own transaction bug that they introduced. There's a point in the code where a cryptographic hash, 256-bit cryptographic hash, is supposed to be validated that nobody but an authorized approver could possibly come up with, except that if you just happened to use the value zero, then you would pass muster. You could basically take anybody else's existing transaction rewrite the recipient's name with yours like hey pay my cryptocurrency wallet and just replay the transaction and it it would go yeah okay (laughs) we just had to get the data in the right format is my understanding and the easiest way of creating a transaction that would pass muster is simply take someone else's pre-completed form an existing transaction replay it but cross out their name or their account number and put in your own so as cryptocurrency analyst at Samsung, that's S-A-M-C-Z-S-U-N, said on Twitter, attackers abused this to copy and paste transactions and quickly drained the bridge in a frenzied free-for-all. In other words, people just went crazy withdrawing money from the ATM that would accept anybody's bank card, provided you put in a pin of zero. Oh, and not just until the ATM was drained. The ATM was basically directly connected to the side of the bank vault (laughs) and the money was simply pouring out. As you say, apparently they lost somewhere up to 200 million US dollars in just a short time. Oh dear. Well, we have some advice and uh, it's pretty straightforward. The only advice you can really give is don't be in too much of a hurry to join in this decentralized finance revolution. As we may have said before, make sure that if you do go in to one of these, hey, trade online, lend us cryptocurrency and we'll pay you interest, put your stuff in a hot wallet so you can act within seconds, get into the whole smart contract scene, buy my non-fungible tokens, all of that stuff. If you decide that that marketplace is for you, please make sure you go in with your eyes wide open, not with your eyes wide shut. And the simple reason that in cases like this, it's not just like the crooks might be able to drain some of the bank's ATMs. In this case, firstly, it sounds like they've drained almost everything. And secondly, unlike with conventional banks, there just aren't the regulatory protections that you'd enjoy if a real-life bank went bust. In the case of a decentralized finance, the whole idea of it being decentralized and being new and cool and something that you want to rush into is that it doesn't have these annoying regulatory protections. You could, and possibly might, because we've spoken about this more often than I'm comfortable doing really, you might lose everything. And the flip side of that is if you have lost stuff in some decentralized finance or Web3.0, brand new super trading website implosion like this, be very careful of people coming along saying, hey, don't worry, despite the lack of regulation, there 
are expert companies that can get your money back. All you need to do is contact company X, individual Y, social media account Z. Because whenever there's a disaster of this sort, the secondary scammers come running pretty jolly quickly, offering to find a way to get your money back. There are plenty of scammers hovering around. So be very wary if you have lost money, don't go out of your way to throw good money after bad or bad money after good, whichever way around it is. Okay, you could read more about that. That is uh, CryptoCoin token swapper Nomad loses $200 million in coding blunder. And if we hear from one of our readers on this story, an anonymous commenter writes, and I agree, I don't, I don't understand how this works, but what's amazing is that an online startup had that much to lose in the first place. 200000 you can imagine, but $200 million seems unbelievable. And I think we kind of answered that question, but where's all this money just coming from? To just grab two hundred million, I I can't answer that, Doug. Yeah, is it that the world is more credulous than it used to be? Is it that there's an awful lot of ill-gotten gains sloshing around in the cryptocurrency community? So there are people who didn't actually put their own money into this, but they ended up with a whole load of cryptocurrency by foul means rather than fair. We know that ransomware payments generally come as cryptocurrencies don't they so that it's like funny money the person who's losing the money maybe didn't put in cash up front is it just an, an almost religious zeal on the part of people going no no this is the this is the way to do it we need to break the stranglehold that the old school fuddy duddy highly regulated financial organizations do things we've got to break free of the man i don't know maybe 200 million just isn't a lot of money anymore Doug. <laughs> Well, of course. I suspect that there are just people going in with their eyes wide shut. They're going, I am prepared to take this risk because it's just so cool. And the problem is that if you're going to lose $200 or $2,000 and you can afford to lose it, that's one thing. But if you've gone in for 2000 and you think, you know what, maybe I should go in for 20000 and you think, you know what, maybe I should go in for 200000 maybe I should go all in, then... You know, I think you need to be very careful indeed, precisely for the reasons that the regulatory protections you might feel that you have, like you have when something bad happens on your credit card and you just phone up and dispute it and they go, okay, and they cross the $52.23 off the bill. That's not going to happen in this case. And it's unlikely to be $52. It's probably going to be a lot more than that. So take care out there, folks. Take care indeed. All right. Well, thank you for the comment. And if you have an interesting story, comment, or question you'd like to submit, we'd love to read it on the podcast. You can email tips at sophos.com. You can comment on any one of our articles. Or you can hit us up on social at Naked Security. That's our show for today. Thanks very much for listening. For Paul Ducklin, I'm Doug Ameth, reminding you until next time to stay, stay secure. secure.